0: What is going on, everybody? It is me, Keaton Hawkins, and I would like to welcome you to the Logos Podcast. This podcast, we talk about reality versus the Word of God. And today, as our fifth episode, it's a very special episode, we are going to be talking about Logos, which in Greek means word, the word. Colossians 3 and verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Notice that God's communication with us, which is normally referred to as the word of God, is described here as the word of Christ. That phrase is only used here in one other place in the New Testament, but it reminds us of a very important truth. The whole Bible is one story, and it all, and it all is about Jesus Christ. Jesus said to the Pharisees, "The Scripture bear witness about me," just what John three five uh, John five thirty nine says. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus took two confused disciples through the Old Testament Scripture, showing them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Jesus Christ is the central figure in the whole Bible, in both the Old and New Testaments. In the Old Testament he is hidden and anticipated, in the New Testament he is revealed and enjoyed. The whole point of the Bible is that we should come to know and enjoy and love and serve and believe in and live for Christ, the Son of God, who is the Savior, the Lord of all. This is the great theme of Colossians, in him all the fullness of God. Was pleased to dwell in him. God has triumphed over all the dark powers. In him, believers are rooted and built up and established in the faith. The word of Christ, the Bible, is God speaking to us about his Son, or God speaking to us through his Son. New thinking about the Bible. The Christian church has been in agreement for nearly two thousand years that the Bible is the Word of God. One that speaks primarily about his son, Jesus Christ. I say nearly 2,000 years because about 100 years ago, some people introduced a new and very different view of the Bible. Charles Darwin grasped the minds and hearts of many people with his theory of evolution, suggesting that the world would be explained entirely by natural causes and processes through science. It's fascinating to follow the story in the years that followed some leaders in the church began to recast their view of the Bible in the light of evolutionary theory. The church had always held the conviction that the Bible was God's word to us. The church believed that God exists, that God has made himself known, and that the Bible tells us what God has said and what he has done. The Bible is essentially a story about God, God's world, and God's word to mankind. But the new thinking turned all of that on its head. You can imagine how some began to say, We've been told that the story is all about God. What if the story is really about us? If this were true, then the Bible would be the evolving story of human thinking about what God might be like. And all. And the Bible would not be God's word to us. But the record of our words about God, if you believe this, then it is reasonable to conclude that it began very crude and over time. Our view of God has become more sophisticated. It has been more digged in. It has been more... um, it has been more... Uh, studied and um, we have learned so many more things Uh, we've learned different views we've learned different um, different things about God and his word because he is so deep and he has so much width and depth and length it's impossible to grasp it all but there are two very different views of the Bible and the one the Bible is God's word to us and the other, the Bible is our word about God. What you believe about the Bible will shape, will shape how you use it and how you respond to it. Because if you don't believe like you should, or if you don't um, understand it, and if you don't want to be around it, and if you don't want to be involved with it, Knowing and believing what you want to know and what you want to believe will definitely uh, change you and it will uh, Definitely shape how you use it and respond to it and that is very very true If you believe that the Bible is a human word about God you may want to read it for inspiration But when it does not fit well with your view of life or of the word you will feel free to to disagree and choose your own path. If the Bible is merely a collection of human words about God, it will be natural for you to say, that was then, but this is now. It doesn't really matter what was then and what was now. The Bible was created and it was evolved around the future world, the future realm because everything that we go through They went through it might not be exact, but it is very very close Jesus died on the cross for our sins that he knew we was going to make that he knew we was going to do He knew that we was going to steal we knew he knew that we was going to lie He knew that we was going to cheat we knew he knew that we was going to do all this type of sins But he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven and that we could go to heaven So, I want to give you three Biblical convictions of why the Bible matters, why the Word matters. Why is this important? What difference does it make? Why should anyone care whether the Bible is speaking about God or God speaking to us? It makes all the difference in the world. Here's why. If God has not spoken, His promises are replaced by our wishes. Thinking about some of the great promises of the Scripture, "I will never leave you nor forsake you," is what Hebrews 13:5, Acts 16:31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Philippians 4:19. My God will supply every need of your of yours according to His riches and glory. Uh, Acts 2:38 through 39. Uh, then Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Who said these things? If these words came from the mouth of God, if God said them, if they are indeed the word of God to us, then they are promises on which we can depend. You can take them to the bank. You can build them on the on them in every circumstance of your life. But if these are human words about God, then they are not promises on which we can depend, but merely wishes arising from the heart of Paul or from Isaiah that we might also cherish. If you believe that God is our word about If you believe that the Bible is our word about God rather than God's word to us, you undermine the foundation of hope and replace God's promises to us with our wishes about God. Number two, if God has not spoken, his truth is replaced by our opinion. Uh, The Bible says that God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in love. These are words... These words are repeated no less than seven times in the Old Testament. Exodus 34, 6. Nehemiah 9, 7. Psalms 86, 15. Psalms 103, 8. Psalms uh, 145, 8. Joel 2, 13. Jonah one four two. But whose words are these? If God spoke these words to Moses and prophets, we can be sure that he is indeed gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in love because he is the one who said it. He has disclosed that himself. But if these words arose from the thoughts of Moses, David, Nehemiah, or Jonah, then we do not have truth that we can count on for our lives today. All we have is opinion that arose from the experience of these particular men, and it may or may not prove true for us today. When you buy into evolutionary theory, Conversations in small groups around the word of God go something like this. Moses believed that God is gracious and merciful, but others have a different experience. What about you? What do you think God is like? How do you see him? When the word of God to us is viewed as our word about God, his truth gets replaced by our opinion. And that undermines the foundation of our faith. Number three. If God has not spoken, his welcome is replaced by our journey. The Bible is full of invitations. Isaiah 55 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Uh, I believe uh, Joshua 4 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isaiah 1 8 says, Come now, let us reason together. Say to the Lord, Through your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Who said these things? If God said them to and through the prophet Isaiah and the apostle James, then you can be certain that God is reaching out to us in love. That means we can come to Him with confidence. We can enjoy a true and authentic relationship with God because He has invited us to come to Him. If these words were simply reflections of the thought or experience of James and Isaiah, they are our only pointers on a journey. They tell us what others have found, but they offer no assurance that we will find the same. If the Bible is viewed as our words about God rather than God's words to us, You may have people reaching out and seeking after God, but very, very little finding. Why? Because what is lost is God reaching out in love through His Son, and what you have left is people seeking. What's at stake? If the Bible is our word about God, rather than God's word to us, then God's welcome is replaced by our journey, and we lose the assurance of His love. Do you see... How much this matters. The basis of our faith, hope, and love all rest on God. Having spoken, given us promises, telling us who He is, inviting us into a relationship with Himself, and telling is how that is possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. When I think about all this, it makes me take a step back. And breathe a big sigh of relief. Thank God for the Word of Christ. We we go through different challenges and different um, relationships and different all kinds of, of things that this world brings into our way. But here's the thing: we're not the only people. We know truth. We know what we need to do to be saved. We know what we need to do to get to heaven. We need to be baptized in Jesus name. We need to repent and we need the Holy Ghost. That is how we get to heaven. But here's the thing. Not everybody does. Not everybody knows how to get to heaven. Not everybody knows how we need to uh get saved, how we need to be baptized, how we how we repent, how we receive the Holy Ghost. 1 Peter 1 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. The Word of God is the very source of our salvation. Remember, every single person in your world and in uh, your church and in your school Have been conceived by the word of God that has been spoken to you. But you have heard the word and the word did something in you to receive the Holy Ghost. It convicted you. That new birth happened through the word. And through Jesus. And through the spirit. Therefore continue in the word of God. The word of God brings growth. Do you know the secret to spiritual maturity, being fruitful and a flourishing Christian, growing in the word of God? First Thessalonians 2.13 says, When you received the word of God, which you, uh, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it is actually the word of God, which is indeed at your word. Indeed, at work in you who believe. The Word of God caused you to be saved. It convicted you and it spoke to you. And now it goes on to perform God's work to mature you and make sure you grow in Him. We all need to grow as much as we can in the Word. We need to be as close to God. The past episode I preached, or I uh, I spoke on lukewarm. Don't be so far away in your relationship with God. Don't be lukewarm. Because a lukewarm faith is useless. The way you're going to grow and the way you are going to succeed in the word of God is you growing in Jesus. Growing through the word studying, praying, fasting. That's how you mature. Uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth the seat of the scornful. But there's so many people that sit in the seat of the scornful, but they don't know how to get out. But we do. We have the Logos, we have the Word, we have what we need. Romans 10:17 says so then faith coming by hearing and hearing from the word of God. Do you want the spirit the supernatural working of God in your life? You can't just sit this word of God aside. The word of God is what matures you and keeps you and helps you get through your daily life. Because there is things that you go through that God is trying to speak to you through his word. But if you just sit aside and not read, if you sit aside and not pray, you're not going to know what to do to get out of it. You're not going to know what to do to to win the battle. You're not going to know what to do to uh, believe and have faith that God is going to do it. The word of God is also a weapon for spiritual battle. Uh, Ephesians 6 is all about the the armor of God. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The second uh, Corinthians 10:4 through 54 talks about the weapon we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We uh, demolish arguments and every petition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We are all in a spiritual battle. The word of God is the one of the armor for a believer. The devil brings strongholds against us and we can overcome every attack of the enemy by God's word. Jesus used the word of God to resist temptation and to overcome the battle in his life in the wilderness in Matthew 4 when the devil was trying to tempt him every way possible, trying to get him to bow down, make a stone into bread, try to make him eat when he was fasting. He was being tempted every direction, every kind of, uh, every type of uh, temptation he could think of. He tried, but no, he used scripture. To resist the temptation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by feeding by the word of God. Here's an illustration I want to use. I'm not too much far from being done, but I'm I'm hope you are enjoying this so well. But the illustration I want to use is the best sword fighter known lived in Japan. His name was Masi. A Miyamoto I, I don't know if I'm saying that right I'm just trying my best to pronounce it correctly he was undefeated in sword fights it is said that he used two swords he had a sword in each hand and if you could use two swords at the same time you would be able to use one for defending and one for attacking and you can come, you can overpower the enemy do you know the privilege of the word of God after talking about a craving for God's Word see what Peter says first Peter 2 4 through 5 as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ the privilege Of the word of God for us. Is that we are made living stones. Built into a spiritual house. First Peter 2. Nine through ten. But but you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. That ye may declare the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. People have heard of the word of God all around us. People know who Jesus is, but they just don't believe in Him. There's atheists. There's uh, Methodists. There's um, Baptists. There's there's all kinds of people. But we know the truth. We believe in the truth. But here's one scripture you can never forget. John 1.1 In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. But there's something in that verse. We read that verse, but I want to tell you today, the Word is still God. God. John one fourteen says the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word is Jesus Christ. Our motives to study God's Word is to understand Jesus better, to be like Jesus. I pray that you will develop a deep craving to study and meditate upon God's Word. Take a commitment today to systematically study God's word because if you study God's word you will be great at things and God will be with you every step of the way no matter what study uh try to get as much as you can because the word of God is so deep and it will change your life if you would just study pray ask god to reveal something you've never seen before when you read amen and amen i hope this encouraged you i hope this helped you today i'm so thankful to be able to do this podcast i really enjoy it so much and i can't wait to do another episode i hope that you enjoy this episode i hope you have a great rest of your day and don't forget study the word of God, God bless.